guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host Sherry and you are listening to From the Dark Side podcast. Today's story is about a beautiful young mom-to-be named Sharika Adams who was excited for the birth of her son in just a couple short months. But all of that goes out the window when Sharika's life is tragically taken. My sources are listed in the description area and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This is episode 69 the murder of Sharika Adams. The year is 1999. I am graduating from high school, by the way. SpongeBob is making his premiere on television. Destiny's Child, Britney Spears, and the Backstreet Boys are on the airwaves. Everyone is preparing for the big Y2K event that is supposedly going to happen on New Year's Eve. God, I remember that. DVDs players were starting to phase out VCR players. The Sixth Sense, American Pie, and The Blair Witch Project were playing in movie theaters. And lastly, the governor of Texas, George Bush, announced he would be running for president. Sharika Adams, who is from North Carolina, was one of those females that had this natural beauty and charisma. She could pull off any look and had this gorgeous smile. She turned heads almost everywhere she went. But she wasn't just pretty looks. Sharika was building a good future for herself. Sharika was raised by her mom, Sandra. I've read a lot about Sandra, and I just love this woman. She is truly a wonderful person. Her mom taught her to be independent and go after what she wanted. See, when Sharika was born, her mom was only 17. Sandra's parents told her that she still had to go to college. So Sandra let Sharika live with her parents for a few years while she finished school. She visited Sharika every weekend, and once she graduated college, she came back for Sharika, and the two left and got a house, and Sandra would finish raising her daughter. Now she has a college degree and could provide a good life for Sharika. Sharika attended three years of college at Winston-Salem State University, where she studied communications. Then she transferred to the University of North Carolina, where her mom had went to college and gotten her degree in psychology. Sharika's cousin is a real estate agent and tells Sharika, you would be good at doing this. So Sharika decides to pursue a career in real estate. She worked at a real estate company and did really well for herself at 24 years old. She's selling houses left and right. She decided that she wanted some extra income, though, and she took on a second job as an exotic dancer at the Diamond Club while still having her career in real estate. Having two jobs afforded Sharika a nice lifestyle, and she bought two cars and nice clothes. The Diamond Club was known to be frequented by athletes and musicians. It was an upscale strip club with lots of money rolling in. There's another party involved in this story, a man by the name of Ray Carruth. Ray is a year older than Sharika. Ray played college football before getting a first-round pick during the 1997 NFL Draft. He would play on the Carolina Panthers. 
he received $4 million for his four-year contract, so about a million dollars a year. He had a really good first season, but in 1998, he broke his foot during the opening game and had to sit out the rest of the season. Now, Ray has a child, a little boy named Ray Jr., and he and the mom were not together. He had to pay the mom a few thousand dollars a month for child support. So this story takes place in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's 1998, it's summertime, and Sharika is at a pool party, and there's some Carolina Panthers players there that day, including Ray. Ray and Sharika hit it off, and Sharika actually introduces him to her father that same day. They kept in touch after the party, but they were both seeing other people at this time. Later on that year, it's wintertime, and Ray and some teammates go to the Diamond Club for a birthday party. Inside, Ray sees Sharika working. They begin talking again, and this kind of rekindled the relationship. Now, Ray says their relationship was solely sexual, nothing more. They could see other people and so on. Ray had bought Sharika a cell phone. And back in 1998, a cell phone was very expensive. I think I knew maybe one person with a cell phone back then. They aren't what they are today. So back in 1998, a cell phone's estimated cost is around $1,000, which is equivalent to $1,800 today in 2023. Also, the only thing you could do was talk on it. No internet, no texting, no checking the weather. It also didn't even have a color screen. You could just make phone calls, but that's what we had back then. <laughs> Not long after this cell phone was given to her, Sharika tells Ray that she is pregnant. She took eight pregnancy tests to confirm it. She quits her job at the Diamond Club. She was excited and thought this would be the opportunity to marry Ray and settle down and own a house together and so on. But Ray tells her he's not interested in having another kid. He's already got one that he pays child support for. Granted, he's a football player, but it's very early in his career. He's not making millions of dollars each year like some of the other guys were. Plus, he's injured and worried about his future financially. He does not want to have this baby and ask Sharika to get an abortion. Sharika tells him, no way. She is keeping this baby one way or another. Ray was kind of confusing Sharika. He didn't want the baby, but would occasionally go to these pregnancy classes with her. He was still juggling multiple women during this time. Sharika read Bible verses to her baby and played classical music. She's excited to become a mom. She had told her mom Ray was her soulmate. She just wants to build this life with him, and he's not being receptive. Ray still says him and Sharika were just a fling. They never went on dates or anything like that. They just had sex a few times. Ray is in his mid-20s, and his teammates were mostly all married guys, and he didn't really have anything in common with them. So he found himself hanging out with younger guys. He would pick them up and play video games and hang out, and then they'd go to strip clubs. He's living a fast life, and he doesn't want to settle down yet. On November 15, 1999, Sharika is 30 weeks pregnant. Ray calls her and tells her, you know what, let's go on a date. Sharika is obviously thrilled and spends time getting ready for this date. They are going to go to the movies to see The Bone Collector starring Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. Sharika drives to Ray's house, expecting him to greet her and whisk her off to the movies. Sharika is surprised to see he's got a house full of people there. 
She's annoyed and disappointed and figures their date is off. She calls her mom and tells her she's sad Ray has all these people at his house and this was supposed to be a night for just the two of them. Her mom tells her, just go back home and sleep it off. Then her mom said she could hear Ray in the background saying that they were still going to the movies. Sharika tells Sandra that she loves her and they say goodbye. What Sandra doesn't know is that this would be the last conversation she would ever have with her daughter. They go in Ray's car to watch the film. While at the movies, they met another Carolina Panthers player and his girlfriend. The film ends around midnight. Ray tells Sharika he wants to stay at her house tonight. So Sharika calls her roommate, who is also her cousin, and she tells him to hurry up and clean up the house. Ray is coming over, get the whole place spotless. They go back to Ray's house where they can pick up Sharika's car and then drive in separate cars to Sharika's house. Ray drives in front in his white Ford Expedition. Sharika is following behind in her black BMW. They are on this dark road that doesn't have any streetlights. What Sharika doesn't know is that there's a Nissan Maxima following her. Suddenly, Ray slows down. Sharika finds this odd. Why is he stopping his car on this dark road? Sharika stops behind him. When suddenly the Nissan Maxima that had been following behind her pulls up beside her, the back window opens and the person begins shooting into her vehicle. Sharika was struck four times, once in the neck and three times in the back. Ray, who was in his car in front of her, sees this happen and drives away. Sharika is still alive and manages to drive herself to a nearby residential neighborhood. Can you imagine? Her car comes to a stop in the person's front yard. She is blowing the horn, hoping the homeowner will come outside. She is bleeding out really bad. She manages to grab her cell phone and calls 911. She tells the operator that she's been shot multiple times. She says she's eight months pregnant. She explains that she was following her baby's father and he took off after she had been shot. She names the man as Ray Carruth, the football player. Did he do this, the operator asks. She says, I think he did it. I, don't, I just don't know what to think. Just think of the bravery of this young woman. Sharika waited for 12 minutes, alone, dying and scared for herself and her baby. She's feeling betrayed by this man she thought cared for her and her unborn baby and wanted to work things out with her. She's bleeding everywhere and in severe pain with four gunshot wounds. The, the ambulance and police arrive and she is quickly taken to the hospital. When she arrived at the hospital, they had to do an emergency C-section. This baby is going to be born 10 weeks early. The baby is breathing but had suffered without oxygen for an unknown amount of time. He was only 3 pounds 11 ounces. He was then rushed to the pediatric intensive care unit. At this point, they don't even know what health complications he's going to have or if he's even going to make it at all. They're most worried about keeping him alive. Sandra has been informed that her daughter has been shot and she comes straight to the hospital. She tells Sharika's dad who is on his way as well. Sandra isn't allowed to visit her daughter or newborn grandson just yet, though. Sandra calls Ray because she thinks maybe he doesn't even know about this. As far as Sandra knew, Ray could have went back home after the movie. Ray eventually will arrive at the hospital. 
He's got this whole entourage of people with him, including another woman that he was seeing. Sadra is obviously annoyed, but would become even more upset that Ray didn't bother to ask how Sharika or his new word son were. He doesn't really care, and it's quite obvious. Eventually, Sandra confronts Ray about his lack of giving a shit. Ray then asks if he can take a picture of the baby. He doesn't want to touch him or anything through the incubator. He just wants to get a photo of him. Sandra begins to put things together in her mind and believes Ray could have been capable of doing this. Even though it seems far-fetched, who would want to kill a woman, let alone a, a woman pregnant with his child? The baby was named Chancellor Lee, a name that Sharika had picked out and told her mom weeks before. Sharika is in terrible condition. She's had emergency surgery to remove the bullets. She had the emergency C-section. She's on heavy pain medication and slipping in and out of consciousness. Some detectives come in to talk to her. She has a tube down her throat so she can't talk, but she motions for them to give her something to write with. She writes down everything that happened. She doesn't use Ray's name. She just uses him. They ask her who him is, and she writes Ray. Her mom is sitting there with them and asks, do you think Ray is responsible for this? And Sharika writes a question mark. The doctors come walking in and ask them to wrap this up since Sharika needed to rest. The detectives say they'll come back in a few days and interview her again, but... That day won't come because Sharika has slipped into a coma. Meanwhile, little Chancellor is still fighting. He is diagnosed with cerebral palsy and severe brain damage. This little baby, if he makes it, is going to have a lifetime of health issues and need a lot of care, even as a full-grown adult. The sad part is that the baby was developing completely normal until that night, if Sharika wouldn't have been shot, he would have likely been a, a typical baby with no health issues. But because he went without oxygen, it caused long-term effects. The police are in their early stages of their investigation. They interview Ray, and he is denying he has any involvement. They search his white expedition, but there's no traces of any evidence. They want to bring him into the station to ask more questions, but by this time, Ray has hired an attorney, so they're not going to get a word out of him. Ray's lawyer was high-profile attorney David Rudolph. You guys may know him from the Netflix series The Staircase. He is famously known to have represented Michael Peterson, who was charged with murdering his wife. If you haven't seen The Staircase, I would definitely check it out. Ray's case takes place years before Michael Peterson's case, though. So even though we have Sharika's 911 call and her note that she had written before she went into the coma, they don't have any physical evidence tying Ray to the crime. Without physical evidence, it would be difficult to get, in, to get a conviction. This isn't going to hold up in court, especially with a high-profile attorney. Ray comes to pick up his SUV that had been impounded, and police think this might be a good time to ask him some questions. Maybe with his lawyer not around and the police having possession of his car, he may talk some. So they pull out his cell phone records and sit down with him to go over some of the numbers. Ray used his cell phone quite a bit, apparently. Remember, this is back when it was just phone calls only. This was before text messaging. He started telling them whose number is whose, but they noticed he kept skipping over one particular number. Every time they got to it, he would skip over it. 
Well, that's enough to make investigators definitely want to check out this number. The number belonged to a motel room, but there wasn't an actual room connected to the number, so they can't get exactly who he was speaking with. They had noticed he had lots of calls between himself and a man named Michael Kennedy. The police bring Michael Kennedy in, and at first he denies being involved, and then he starts telling them everything. He said he met Ray a few years ago, and they stayed in touch because Michael was a drug dealer. Michael says Ray contacted him that night and asked him to drive a car while a man he hired to kill Sharika rides in the back seat. The man he hired to do the shooting was a, a man named Van Watkins. He also gave Michael $100 to buy the gun that Watkins would use. While Ray and Sharika were at the movies, Michael purchased the gun and gave it to Watkins, who would ride in the back seat. There was another man involved, a man named Stanley Abraham, who just has to be the dumbest person alive. All he did was ride in the passenger seat. Just him riding in the passenger seat makes him now involved in a murder. His lawyer claims he was just riding along and that Michael told him they were going, going to watch TV at a player for the Carolina Panthers house. If that's the case, he really is innocent. And just for context, Watkins, the trigger man, was older than these other men. Watkins is 44, Michael was 24, and Stanley was 19. They have confession number one, which is Michael Kennedy. Now they got to get a hold of Watkins. He comes into the police station, and he initially gave them a fake name, but they figure out who he really is. It took a few hours, but after so many questions, plus Michael Kennedy's confession, Watkins finally admits that he was the shooter. He said Ray did not want this child. He did not want to pay child support. Ray asked him to beat up Sharika and cause her to lose the baby. But Watkins told him he doesn't hit women. He has no problem shooting her, though, really. <laughs> he said he followed Sharika for months, trying to find the right time to kill her, but the opportunity never presented itself. He said he was feeling weird about killing a pregnant woman, but went through with it anyway. So now they have confession number two. Now they got to go after Ray. They had confessions from both men that Ray paid them to carry out this killing. Ray was arrested and bail was set at $3 million. He was able to make bail a week later. Now, the condition was that he wasn't allowed to leave the county. And also, if Sharika or Chancellor died, he would have to come back and turn himself in. So Ray is free for the moment. Chancellor is still fighting to stay alive. This little boy has been through so much in his short life here on Earth so far. But Grandma Sandra is right there watching him in the hospital. She's also there with Sharika, whose condition is deteriorating. Sharika hasn't awoken from her coma that she's been in for 27 days. She's lost a lot of blood. They're giving her transfusion after transfusion. Sharika was tiny. She's around five foot four and 120 pounds. Well, she was so full of fluid that she weighed 290 pounds. And after 27 days, Sandra made the heartbreaking decision to remove her from life support. On December 14, 1999, Sharika Adams was dead. She was 24. Since Sharika passed away, Ray has to turn himself in as part of his bail condition. But Ray is nowhere to be found. He has skipped town. Police eventually locate him. He had been traveling with a woman. All I know about this woman is that she is a hairdresser. According to the Charlotte Observer, 
it was Ray's mother who had tipped off police. She was afraid that if he's on the run, he would be shot by police. The police find the woman who is accompanying Ray in Tennessee, but they don't see Ray. She says that she drove Ray here. She is at a hotel and she allows the police to search her room and they don't find him. She says, well, he may be in the area though. So they look outside at her Toyota Camry sitting in the parking lot and they see her motioning with her eyes to the car keys sitting on the bed. One of the officers says to her, he's in the trunk, isn't he? She whispers, don't tell him I told you. The officer goes over to the trunk with FBI agents accompanying him. The female yells to the trunk, Ray, they know you're in there. They're not going to hurt you. They ask him if he had any weapons, and they open the trunk just a few inches, yelling for him to show his hands, which he complies by putting both hands through the open gap of the trunk. The FBI agents open the trunk the rest of the way and tell him to stand up in the trunk. His pants are around his knees. They find two sports bottles. One was full of urine. They found candy bar wrappers, a cell phone, and $3,900 in cash. He is brought back to North Carolina and taken to jail. It was at this time the NFL has suspended him indefinitely. The woman who had taken Ray to Tennessee was not charged with any crime. The four men are going to go on trial in 2000 for Sharika's murder. This whole trial was televised live on court TV and there was a media circus. It wasn't like the O.J. Simpson trial, but anytime a football player or someone famous is involved, it just seems to draw out a lot of people. So if convicted, all of them are capable of facing the death penalty. North Carolina is a death penalty state. Ray's defense claims that Watkins shot Sharika in anger because Ray owed them for drugs. They said they pulled up next to Sharika and asked her where Ray was. She gave them the finger and then Watkins shot her. Ray's lawyers also made it clear that Ray was juggling multiple women at this time. He would sleep with any woman who approached him. He had a girlfriend in Colorado. He had a girlfriend in Atlanta and another girlfriend in Charlotte who was floored when she found out Ray had impregnated this other woman. She said she saw Ray three times a week. How did he even have time? One of the prosecution witnesses was an ex-girlfriend of Ray's who said Ray once found out she was pregnant and told her to get an abortion. She said no, and he threatened to kill her. So she went through with the abortion because she was afraid of him. The trial lasted 11 weeks, and more than 70 witnesses were called to testify. This jury didn't believe that this was a drug deal that just went awry. The jury believed that Ray hired these men to kill Sharika because he didn't want to pay another $3,000 a month in child support. Stanley Abraham, the 19-year-old who was in the passenger of the seat of the car, was sentenced to 90 days in jail and five years probation. His lawyers have said that yes, their client was in the car, but insist that he played no active role in the shooting. He was just a passenger on what he thought was a ride to a famous football player's house to watch TV. Coupled with the fact that he had never been in trouble before, he got off pretty easy. Unlike Stanley, Michael Kennedy and Van Watkins have extensive criminal histories. Michael Kennedy, who was the driver of the car and the man who purchased the gun, was sentenced to 10 years in prison for his role. He was released in 2011. Van Watkins, who was the one who pulled the trigger and shot Sharika, was very emotional and dramatic during the trial. 
Several times he stood up and shouted at Ray, Are you happy now? He also looked at Sandra and said, Mrs. Adams, I'm very sorry for what I did and I'll be paying for it in heaven. He was sentenced to 40 years in prison and will be 85 when he is released. According to Julie Miller, Julie Miller for Gridiron Heroics, Watkins, when he gets commissary money from family or friends, whether it's $5 or $10 or whatever, he just takes it and he sends it in the mail to Sandra. He is set to be released in 2040. Ray Carruth was found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder, shooting into an occupied vehicle and using an instrument to destroy an unborn child. He was found not guilty of first-degree murder, which excluded him from execution. He was sentenced to 18 to 24 years in prison. While in prison, Ray sent Sandra a 15-page letter. In the letter, he apologized to her for Shariga's death and for all the health complications Chancellor has faced throughout his life. He also apologized for all the damage that he caused her family. Sandra did file a wrongful death suit against all the men, and she won. She was awarded $5.8 million, but since all of them are in prison, she won't see any of it. Baby Chancellor was raised by his grandmother, Sandra. He has a lifetime of health complications from the shooting while in his mother's stomach. She takes him every week to physical and occupational therapy. This woman is truly amazing and the best caretaker and grandmother he could ever have. She has devoted her life to caring for Chancellor. As I said before, Chancellor was developing fine and would have been born without health complications, but because his brain went without oxygen, he developed cerebral palsy and brain damage. Chancellor learned to walk with braces and use a walker. He walked on his own for the first time at the age of 16. In 2021, Chancellor Adams graduated high school. His teacher helped him walk across the stage and he received a standing ovation. He was even on the national news. He was a victim of gun violence when he wasn't even born yet. Chancellor is known to be extremely happy and polite. He uses one to two word sentences. He loves horses, especially the ones at his therapeutic program. Also, his favorite color is purple and his favorite word to say is yeah with a big smile. When speaking about his graduation, Sandra says, I just know my daughter was in heaven dancing and doing cartwheels, knowing her baby graduated, even with all the odds against him in life. Sandra is now a motivational speaker and often speaks of the power of forgiveness. She forgives all four of these men. According to an article by Scott Fowler for the Charlotte Observer, she speaks to inmates at the jail during their anger management classes. Sandra describes a moment not long after Sharika had passed, and I've had similar things happen, and I think it's important to bring up so we can all share her pain. She says she was walking through the grocery store and saw Sharika's favorite cereal, Sugar Smacks. She went to reach for the box and broke down in tears as she realized she wasn't here to eat them. She said shoppers were coming up to her and asking her if she was okay and needed help. She stood in the aisle, hugging the box of cereal for a while. She called a friend, and that friend was able to help calm her down and convinced her to stop hugging the cereal and instead put it in her cart. Sandra said she bought the box of cereal because it was covered in her tears and she didn't want to put it back on the shelf. When talking about forgiveness, Sandra says, I've refused to let them put me in a prison. 
I felt like I had already been dealt a life sentence. On one hospital floor, my daughter was fighting for her life. And on another, the only grandchild that I would ever have is fighting for his life. So I thought, I've got a choice. I could be bitter or I could get better. And so I decided to get better. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we're going to be buddies. Forgiveness to me means that I am no longer going to hold you hostage to the act that you committed. Because no matter how much time he serves in jail, it's not bringing Sharika back. So when he gets out, my prayer is that he will change his life and move on and do something positive and productive. I honestly don't know how she does it. This is an incredibly strong woman. Ray was released from prison in October 2018. Upon his release, he wanted to pursue custody of his son, Chancellor, who was 18 at the time. Even though he's a legal adult, he's a special needs adult who needs care 24 hours a day. So he's still in the same category as a child. Sandra said he will never get custody of him. Unreal that he wanted him dead at one point and now wants custody of him. He eventually withdrew his request. One week after Ray is released from prison, the Carolina Panthers decide they're going to do something good for 18-year-old Chancellor and his grandmom, Sandra. The Panthers had stayed mostly quiet until then, which I find strange. They welcomed them into the Panthers community, and even the owner was there. Chancellor was given a football and gloves and lots of hugs from the team. Chancellor is 23 years old today and still with his grandmom, and they are thriving and living their best life. Ray moved to Pennsylvania one week after his release. Upon his release from prison, he did send Sandra an undisclosed amount of money. I heard it was $3,000, but I can't confirm that. The last update on Ray I could find was from January 2023, where I read that he converted to Muslim while in prison and he has a work-from-home job now. Rest in peace to Sharika Adams, who would be 48 years old today in 2023. That's it for this week. And I'll see you all again soon. Take care and much love to you all.